Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Well, I've been preaching on faith and destiny, destiny and faith, right? And how those two work hand in hand. Now, it's Christmas time, and so, you know, tradition says that I have to do a a Christmas service. And so I'm going to do a Christmas service on faith and destiny. (laughs) And so I believe God wants to help us with the ideas. We've been talking about uh, different things, about both those things. You know, I believe as we end up this year and as we move on in the things of God towards 2022, there's so many things that the Lord is working on that He's doing in our lives, in the ministry, around the world, and things that we're excited to get and see the power of God move. You know, really, when you think about it, Jesus' life, Jesus' birth is, is, a, is a story that is full of destiny, and it is full of faith. And there's so many different aspects of it that you can go into in, in how God moved and how God did a powerful work. So as we're going into Christmas, you know, always remember, it, it's, a, it's a nice saying to say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen. And, it, and it's a true saying, of course. But part of it is that you have to remember he's the reason for the season, therefore make sure that he's in the season. All right. We're going, well, I'm going to win you over. I, I, little by little, I'm going to win you over. All right. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus here for a minute. The Bible says in verse number one, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his hometown. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there's so many different things you can go in there. And this, this is actually just kind of the preamble because this isn't the actual scripture that I'm preaching on. But there's so many things that are in there. You know, Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. And so much of this has to do with um, uh, prophecies and things that had to take place. And God has a way of getting people where he needs them. Now, we don't often recognize or, or put ourselves in the story. I, I've often said, when you read the Bible, put yourself in that story. What must that have been like? So it says that his betrothed wife, means they were engaged, they, they were to be married, it, but his betrothed wife was at the edge of having a baby. In other words, she was really pregnant. She wasn't this pregnant, she was this pregnant. Right? She was uncomfortable. She was miserable. She was all those things that you are 
when you're that pregnant. Thank God I've never had to experience those things. In some ways, men have it so much easier. But she was really, really, really pregnant. She was at the edge, and a decree came down that said, you got to go here because you're the house of David, so you got to go here and you got to be registered, and we got to count you. And you didn't have choice like you do today. You know, today we say, nah, I'll phone it in, you know, all these things. No, they had to actually go. And so they did whatever they did. They, they put her in her Lincoln Continental, and they, they drove down to, to Bethlehem, and they stayed at the Hilton Inn, right? We know none of those things are true. They had to do it the old-fashioned way. Now, we don't know what that is. I'm sure she didn't walk, but it probably wasn't the most pleasant trip for her to have in her life at that time. They go all the way down there. There's no rooms at the inn. It's not because they were poor. I'm going to win you yet. It's not because they were poor. They were not poor. They, they went to the Holiday Inn, and there were no vacancies. Okay, they, they went to where you could stay, but they weren't able to get a room. So they said, well, and I could picture Joseph when he comes out of the lobby. Well, honey, they don't have any rooms either. Let's go stay in the barn. And they went out there and they were in the manger. They went out there to be able to stay. Now, verse number eight. Luke all of a sudden makes this giant shift. He goes from the baby in the manger to where it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, the shepherds were the working man of the day. Okay, these, these, were, these were people that worked for a living. Uh, uh, shepherding was a dirty, thankless, difficult job. They lived in the fields. They had to stay with the sheep. They had to protect the sheep. Right? Imagine, if, if you don't own the sheep, but if a lion comes to eat a sheep, your job is to kill the lion. It was a difficult job. They, they, they had to work hard in order to do what they did. These, these were people that were out there. Now, we know that, that, that Three Kings Day is coming. When is that, Lisa? January 6th. January 6th. Okay, January 6th is Three Kings Day. And Lisa taught us about that. I mean, I knew about the three wise men, but I didn't know. Anyway, so the shoebox thing and all that stuff. I didn't know any of that stuff. So anyway, we know the three wise men. Now the three wise men, or the three kings, they were the opposite of the shepherds, right? These were, these were men that had authority, they had wealth, they had power, they were well-educated, they were well-trained, 
Right? These, these were the exact opposite of the shepherds. And we know that they saw a star. And when they saw the star, they knew what it meant. And so they begin to travel to go to where Jesus was. But the shepherds, God chose to reveal what was happening to them. Now this was very unique. You remember the, that between Malachi and Matthew, the beginning of the Gospels, between that time, there was some 500 years, I believe it was, where God was silent. There was no revelation. There was no, there, there was no prophets that were in the land that were walking and talking about the things of God by prophecy. There was, God was very quiet, very silent for 500 years. And all of a sudden, something shifted. There was a dynamic change that began to take place. When Jesus was born, it's hard for us to understand just what happened when Jesus was born. And the, the covenant, the new covenant, how many people are still reading through the Bible? Did you read today's? Right? It was powerful. I loved it. Hebrews is such a great book anyway. But it was in Hebrews 9 and 10, it was talking about the covenant, the old covenant, the new covenant. When you begin to understand that that's why Jesus came. That's, that was the purpose of Him coming. It says that Jesus is in heaven. Now we have somebody that's in heaven and He's an advocate between us and the Father. And He's, he's pleading our case before God the Father and that the sacrifice is once and done. And It's such a powerful, powerful element. When Jesus came, He changed so much. See, in the Old Testament, you couldn't hear from God. You had to go to a priest in order to even sacrifice, to have your sins forgiven, that there was no link that there was there. There was, no, there was no passageway, no bridge that you could go across. And when Jesus came, all of that changed, and all of a sudden, the royal priesthood became the believer. Oh, it was so dynamic, it was so powerful. So there's three things that I want to look at in this scripture. That, that when God came, when the, when the angel came, and he gave the message to the shepherds. And these are three things that, in, our, in my life at least, I know that when God has spoken to me over the years and done powerful things and changed directions in my life, these three things were evident. The first one is, he's shown. I know that's a weird word to say by itself, isn't it? <laughs> Verse number nine. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid okay the reason I use shown is there's three S's so you can remember see I'm trying to teach you so the first word is shown not stone you know how long I had to keep typing this in there so it wouldn't autocorrect a stone shown so God's glory shone around them God's presence preceded this announcement. That there was a glory that came. That there was a glory that came. See, yes, the angel came and the angel showed himself, but there was a glory that began to come around it. In our lives, we're supposed to understand God still shows himself today. That when God's presence comes, there's a glory there's almost a hush that comes upon you. There's something about when the presence of the Lord walks into the room. I'm reading a book right now. It's a, a Lester Summerall book. I read it years ago. But it's, it's people that influenced him in the Pentecostal movement. 
Lester Summerall was a powerful man of God, and he did such awesome, tremendous things. And he's talking about these old timers in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and, and how God used them and their faith to instruct him and encourage him in the things of God when it came to being spirit-filled and, and allowing God to move. And, and the one I read today was interesting, and these two guys, and uh, they, they, they went and they, got, they ended up, they were from... Uh, over in Europe, and they came to America because they wanted to get filled with the Holy Ghost, but they didn't. So they went back to Europe, got filled with the Holy Ghost there. Then they came back to America, and they were in Indiana, actually in the same church that Lester Summerall ended up pastoring. And when they were in that place, they began to feel that God wanted them to go to Brazil to bring Pentecostalism, or speaking in tongues, to Brazil. So they prayed and they sought God, and it was two guys, they were friends with one another, and they decided they really felt that this was God. They did the proper thing, they went to their pastor, and they said, this is what we feel like God's saying. He prayed, he laid his hands on them, and he sent them to Brazil. So when they got there, they went to the only church that they could find, they began to preach, and when they did, some people began to get filled with the Holy Ghost, but the pastor wasn't happy with it because he was a Baptist pastor, and he told them, this isn't God, your false doctrine must leave. So they went and started a church. And that church was a, an Assemblies of God church, but it wasn't the denomination Assemblies of God, but it was an Assemblies of God church that today, or at least at the time of this writing, was still the largest Pentecostal church in all of Brazil because they just obeyed no matter what. See, when they talk about the glory of God and how God began to come, how God began to show up, how God began to do something. See, the power of presence. Presence trumps programs. Presence trumps programs. That has nothing to do with President Trump. <laughs> Weird how a word can get hijacked. God's presence is what changes lives. Programs are okay. We do things, we help out, right? We had a chef class yesterday, amen? If you wanted to know how to make real good Puerto Rican pork chops, you missed it because it was yesterday. <laughs> but they came and they had a good time of fellowship and they taught how to do it and do these kind of things. And so it's really important. We got the chili cook-off coming again. Yeah. Well, you're a hard crowd today. <laughs> I want to tell you. Step back here. It's a little warmer back here. All kind of... So the presence of God trumps any of those kind of things we do. We do things, we do programs, right? We're going to be teaching on the end times, right? And it's really important that we have an understanding of the end times and what the Bible says when it talks about the rapture and what that means and what it's going to look like. Amen. I can give it to you in a synopsis. Don't take the mark. Amen. So those things are really important, all right? When his glory comes... Pay attention. It sounds so obvious, and yet it's so easy to miss. Why? Because when you're around the presence of God, you become accustomed to it. And when you become accustomed to his presence, you begin to not appreciate his presence the same. When I came into the, the church the first time, I was in my early 20s, I was 21 years old actually, and I remember coming in and 
I'd been in church a number of times and all that kind of stuff, raised kind of in and out of church and all that. But I remember when I walked into this little church that the presence of God was there. I didn't know what that was. I had no idea what it was. I remember sitting there, and a man is standing in the pulpit, and he began to preach the gospel. He began to talk about things. And somehow his words penetrated that you could feel. You could feel what, what it recognized now. It was, his, it was God's presence that he was standing there. And as this man preached, God's presence was, was working on me for me to give my life to Jesus, for me to begin to receive him. And I remember that sense. And then after that, after I received the Lord, I remember going to church and there were services where I would just sit and during the praise and worship just begin to weep as I felt his presence come upon me. But the thing that I found over the years is when you begin to become accustomed or more used to him being in church, the tears dry up. The awe begins to change. The, the sense and longing for that presence begins to become, yeah, I know he's here. Many times, destiny is revealed in the presence of His glory. That life-changing things that God will begin to speak, He'll speak in times when His presence is there, when His glory is shown about you, when He decides to move, that there's something about what He says. You have to pay attention, though. So many times it's easy to miss what God is saying because you're used to Him. A message revealed in his glory takes faith to walk out, though. See, destiny and faith. God speaks, but we have to have the faith to begin to walk it through. That I've said from the very beginning, and I've not changed one bit, and I'll not change. God has called New Destiny to be a church that we will plant churches, we will plant ministries, we will work around the world, we will do these things. And people say, I know, Pastor, but I need to see that. I want to see it. It's a faith walk. It doesn't mean that it's not there. God is opening doors and he's beginning to do things. But in order for us to step into what God has, it takes faith, not just my faith. I wish it could just be our faith. This is the hardest part about pastoring a church that's an apostolic church. My faith, no matter how big it is, can't do it without your faith stepping in. See, that's, that's the way that it worked. Jesus, when he's walking the planet, he's walking earth, he's doing miracles. He's raising people from the dead. He's opening blind eyes, right? He's healing people that are deaf. He's lifting people that are crippled out of their beds. He's doing all this stuff. And yet, during that time, he had to instill Everything that he was into 12 men, plus some other people, but we'll use the disciples, into these 12 men and trust that when he left that they would do it. His faith alone couldn't do it. And so it's so important that we all activate our faith and our sense of destiny. See, God's glory is heavy. Over and over in the Bible, you see when God comes or when an angel comes, when anything's happened, they fall down. Sometimes you'll see people here that they'll get prayed for and they'll, the old, the old uh, Pentecostal words is they'll be slain in the Holy Ghost. 
Right? And all that really means is that God's presence is so strong on them that we can't contain His presence. And there are times that when God touches someone that strongly, they just can't stand. God's presence is heavy. There's a weightiness to it. There's a weightiness that's to it. Now, now here's something that... I want, I want to say this in the right way so that you get it. Arrogance stands in the presence of God. Hopefully that's just heavy and you're getting it. When God's presence is there, don't allow yourself to be so arrogant of yourself to think, well, God, here I am. There's something about when God walks in a room. When you go and stand before an earthly king, there's a certain honor that's supposed to be there. Right? Even when we would go in, into Africa and we'd go to some of the remote villages and we would go before, uh, 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 and the one that I remember the most is Zongwe in, in um, Malawi. And when we went there, Bishop said, now, now you've got to go. And when you go, you have to bring a gift for the chief. Now, I pictured a chief. I thought, okay, this is a chief. You know, there's going to be somebody that's there, and he's a dignified person, and he's important, and he's all these different things. Because he said, you have to make sure that you present him with a gift. And so we went, and he told me, and we're in this little village, and there's a handful of people, and he's talking, and he says that the chief is the one that built the structure, which was just sticks and rope that held it together and some thatch on the roof because he didn't want us to be too hot. And he allowed it, though. And when he came, he introduced me. He said, this is the chief. And when this man came up, I remember looking at him and thinking, that's not what I expected. <laughs> On the outside, he didn't look like an important person. He didn't look all that different than anyone was there. And yet the chief of this village, they're so important that you cannot buy land unless the chief says you can buy it. Now, here's the tough one. You can't get buried in that village unless the chief says it's okay. They're actually very powerful in what they would do. And yet when I looked at him, I thought, hmm. And yet I had to present a gift to him and tell him, thank you for allowing us to meet. Thank you for blessing this service. We do that with earthly kings. And yet sometimes when God's presence comes, we find ourselves not as much in awe as maybe we were at one time. See, God's presence is so delicate and so important for us to understand. The Holy Spirit moves and wants to come. There are many churches that once moved in the power of God. There are whole denominations that were built on the presence of God that today, God's presence isn't anywhere near them. So the first one is when God speaks, He'll shown over you, shown around you. And then it says in verse number 11, For there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. When Jesus came, he came to be Savior. Savior means deliverer. If you look up Savior, it means deliverer. That there is a deliverer that had come to the earth. 
that this baby that we see in the manger, this, this infant that looks so innocent, that had to be wrapped in swaddling clothing, that, that laid there, that had to be cared for, that had to be taken care of, that had to be fended for, that had no ability to do anything at all, yet this baby was the deliverer, was the savior of all of the human race. That in that package, there was a savior. There was one that came to bring deliverance. That he came to deliver us. That, that he wanted to deliver us from, from death to life. That he brought us out of a state of death. That there was no hope for us to be able to, that, that, that most of the people in here are Gentiles. That there was no hope for us to be able to have an eternity in heaven. That we were bound and doomed for a devil's hell because we needed a savior. We needed Jesus and his blood to come and wash us and cleanse us. And to set us free so that we could go from death to life. That took a savior to do. That he wants to bring us from brokenness to wholeness. That how many of us lived a life that we were broken, that we were lost. We may have been on drugs, we may have been on alcohol, we may have gone from relationship to relationship, we may have had financial problems, all those other things. And yet Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer, came to bring us from a state of brokenness to a state of fullness. That there's a healing that begins to come. That Jesus, when he came, see, when he said Christ the Savior is born, you've got to understand that meant something. That they thought as shepherds, my word, the Savior, the one who's come to set us free, the one that came to save us from all that we're going through, the one who came to deliver us from a life of death and sin, the one who, who, who is, is coming to, to make us go from lost to being found, that, that one that, that brings us from being a life of fear and trembling to where we can then become bold before the King of God, that we can stand in the throne room in the presence of God. Because the Savior came. That no longer do we have to walk in fear. That he brings us from loneliness to community. I can't, this one, and it's hard for me to explain it, but, but my life, my greatest fear was I graduated college and, I, and I'm sitting in my, in my, my little one-bedroom apartment in Scranton, Pennsylvania, thinking to myself, good Lord, is this what life is? Then I remember thinking, you know, I had some friends back in the day, but I was raised down here, and so then I'm living up in Scranton, and I'm thinking to myself, I had some friends that go, hey, why don't you, it's Saturday night, let's go to the bar. I'd go to the bar, and I thought, eh. And I remember one day sitting, it was the 4th of July, I'll never forget this day, I was 21 years old. I'm sitting on the back porch with one of those little hibachi grills, the little tiny ones, you know, that, that you, put the, you put the charcoal in, you got to go, and it's full. And I remember sitting there on that porch, and I was grilling hot dogs. And I'm thinking to myself, is this it? I, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about, I didn't really know much of anything. I'm thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. I mean, I, I just, I needed something. That the, the loneliness that began to set in, and I, that I thought, ah. And then it was right after that that, 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 that very next year, less than a year later, that, that, that I ended up going to Denver to visit my brother. And, and when I went in there, Jesus saved me and he set me free and it was a glorious salvation. I gave my life to the Lord. I came to the front and knelt down. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I knew God was there. And I said, God, I just got to have you. 
And I found something that was so real that, I, that I, moved, I flew back to Pennsylvania. I was in Denver at the time. I flew back to Pennsylvania. I loaded up my car, and on my birthday, I told my mom, I'm moving to Denver. I loaded up my little hatchback and drove all the way out to Denver. And when I got there, what I found is that there was a community. There was people there. See, God wants us to, to be the family of God. He wants us to come together as a community. There's nothing more powerful. You know, me and my wife were talking on the way in. Can you go to heaven and not go to church? Yes! But why would you want to? Because God's given us people. Does that mean there's not friction? Of course there is. I mean, Lena walks down the middle aisle when I'm preaching. <laughs> Told you I'd win you over eventually. I didn't know how that was going to work. <laughs> Thank you, Lena. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's, there's something about that community because the Savior, the Deliverer in my life set me free from, from a life that I saw so many people living that they did things, they had friends, but there was just no life in it to where now there's an abundance of joy and life. They got people that I love and that love me that, we, that buy me gods and eats. I know you don't know what that is, but it's an Italian cookie. Oh. That, that, that there's people that, that we can have relationships and friends with. There's nothing more dynamic than that. Oh, and just an update. Last week, many of you were concerned about the key issue for our cars. I found mine. Hers is still missing. Just so you know. Oh, God, I was just kidding. You know that, right? <laughs> so God wants to take us, you know, but there's something about when you begin to understand he's the Savior. And that's more than just getting us to heaven. Oh, thank God that our sins are forgiven. I, I never would want to make that sound like it's small. It's unbelievable that our sins are forgiven. You know, in the Old Testament, every time you did anything, because we were born sinners, you'd have to go and bring a, something to the priest, you know, a turtle dove, a, a, a heifer, a, a chicken, a, something you had to bring to the priest, and the priest would kill it. It was something that was valuable, something that meant something to you, something that you needed, right? It's kind of like, a, it's kind of like an oxen, you know. Today, we, we don't look at it, but back then, you know, that was like having a pickup truck, and you had to take your pickup truck because you, you created a sin, and you had to give it to Frankie, and Frankie would take it and slit its throat, and the blood would go all over the place. And you didn't even get to eat the meat. Because they would take the meat and they had to burn it and, and, and boil it. And then the priest would take some of the meat. But you didn't get anything. Why? Because your sins were great. And yet Jesus, when he came, he did that once for all. That today we, we, we tithe out of obedience to God and out of gratitude for who he is. But it's not the same as it once was. He set us free in so many different ways. But it's not just that our sins are forgiven. There's so much to a deliverer. That there's hope for the earth. That I don't care if your struggle is drugs. I don't care how long you've been on drugs. I don't care what you've done when you've been on drugs. I don't care who you stole from when you've been on drugs. I don't care who you hurt when you've been on drugs. That there is a deliverer, a savior that can pull you out of that lifestyle and can set your feet on solid ground again. And you can walk free. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anyone tells you that there's freedom in Jesus because he's the savior, he's the deliverer. And in every area of our lives every area of our lives. 
But see, part of that is it's our responsibility as a body to understand the Savior came. But he placed the burden or the the weight of the fact that the Savior came and left all of that in our hands. That if we don't do everything that it takes to get people saved, then there are people that are going to hell. We've spent so much time in the church of Jesus Christ in America trying to make everybody happy. So should we do a, a, a Wednesday night service, a Sunday night service? Should we do a, a Christmas Eve service? And Should we do a Christmas Day service? Should we do all this? Well, I don't know. What would the people want? We're, we're, we're constantly trying to wrestle through to make sure that, that, that people are happy. But joy is a byproduct of salvation. Happiness is completely different. You can have joy in a prison cell if you're in there with Jesus. That you can have joy in any situation, in any aspect of life, that when tragedy happens, there can still be joy because you understand Jesus and who he is. Happiness is like trying to catch steam in a box. And no matter how happy you are, in a moment's time, that can begin to flee. And so it's a matter of understanding that God placed the responsibility of salvation of others on us. That's why it's so important that when I'm preaching this, destiny and faith, destiny and faith, destiny and faith, it's really not optional. What I want to do in the new year, I want to go through, for those of you that have been reading the one-year Bible, and those of you that intended to but didn't, or struggled, or whatever the case may be, I want to do it again in 2022. The same one. This is the way I'm going to do it. When I read my Bible, I highlight it. Right? I noticed today that I use a, high, a yellow highlighter. I noticed today it's running out of juice. I'm like, I'm going to keep that same one. Get me all the way through. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to use the exact same one, and, and I'm going to do the next year, 2022, in a different color, orange or green or something. Blue, not pink. Doing pink. You can do pink if you want. But I'm going to highlight a different color so that I can see how God spoke something different. That I see some different aspect that's there. Some different change that's there. Okay? I don't remember where I was going with that. But anyway, pray for it. But I told you God will use anybody. It's our responsibility to win the lost. It's our, our responsibility to do whatever it takes. Okay. During his time, when Jesus was here, he was the Savior, and he moved powerfully. We read of the miracles, and the Bible says that there's no book big enough that can contain all the miracles that he did, that, that when we read of people that he healed and blind eyes and all these different things, that it's such a small little percentage. There were so many times that he would walk and heal all of them, and it would just cover it by saying he healed them all, and then he would move on. So there's so much that was there, but what he did during that time is he spent that time with those 12 disciples. Right? He had the he had the three, the twelve, the seventy, the five hundred, you can go into all those different things. So but he began to teach them in what to do when he left, because he was leaving 
the very idea that he was Savior in their hands, just like he leaves it into our hands. That today there is a responsibility that is placed upon Christians that's so easy to lose. We're, we're sometimes so much wanting to get the things that we need, the things that we desire, all those different things that we're trying to care for our family, you know, to be a man today and, or a woman, but I mean, it's, it's so many different things and pressures that are upon life that we have to work through and, and Christmas time and having to, to come up with presents and do all these different kinds of things. There's such an enormous weight that's on us, but ultimately it's easy for us to forget that what Christ did as the Savior is he came for the saving of souls. For this purpose I came to seek and save that which was lost, that that weight has been placed upon our shoulders that it is now our responsibility to take that message to those that are lost. That we preach in here on Sunday, that we preach the word of God, but the whole idea of preaching is not for me to get you what you need, but to get you what you need to take the gospel out there. But that's the whole reason that we're here. I mean, Jesus taught the disciples some pretty hard lessons, didn't he? I mean, I don't think it was all about happy juice. It was more like bug juice. Right? Tell them, pick up your cross and follow me. Right? Wearing the little, the little gold necklace around, that's not what that is. Pick up that cross was a heavy cross. That what he was telling in them is the gospel is a burden upon your shoulders that you're to pick it up, that it's visible to everybody, that it's a burden upon you, but that you're supposed to be a demonstration of Jesus and what he's doing. He told them, don't be surprised when they hate you, they hated me. Now, how many people here like being hated? One. If he wins the chili cook-off, he'll be in heaven. Right? We, we, don't, we don't go around going, please hate me. Please hate me. And yet Jesus said, don't worry about it if they hate you. It's not a bad thing. They hated me. They're going to hate you too. Don't worry about it. See, the lessons that Jesus taught, he, he, he told them, you know, the whole message of follow me, walks up on the beach, follow me. You know, we think of it like it was a job application. You know, I always tell people to go, should I apply for this job? I said, would it be a job that you like? Yes. Sure, then apply. I know, but what if I don't want the job? Well, then say no. <laughs> But see, when Jesus is walking down the beach and he walks up to him and says, follow me. What he was really doing was saying, drop everything, leave your life as you know it, walk away from everything and everybody you know and follow me because I'm the Savior. See, when we say Lord and Savior, most modern day Christians know Jesus as Savior, but really struggle with the Lord part. Because the Lord part means you're the Lord. The Lord part means you tell me and I have to do it. See, we vote today. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't like that. Can you give me something else? What's behind, what's behind door number two? <laughs> we think we're dealing with Monty Hall. You know, Lord, I, 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 that's not really what I want in my life. But see, when you understand who Jesus is, that he became to be the deliverer. See, destiny is all about saving the lost. And faith is about following him so that he can show you how you're supposed to accomplish it. 
The third S is he gave him the sign, a sign. Verse number 12, and this will be a sign to you that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What he was saying to him is go and see and then you'll know. Right? How many? What's the, what's the uh, saying for Missouri? Does anyone know? It's the show me state. You ever met someone from Missouri? They're like a mule. Right? They just, I ain't believing until you show me. And what Jesus did is he took these shepherds, and you would think that an angel coming down would be enough. But he told them, he told them no, this, this is what it is. Now, now go and see for yourself. This is what you're going to find. Signs are something that is very important. Jesus showed he was the son of God because of the signs and wonders that he did. He would go around and he would do what nobody else would do. And, and even sometimes the Pharisees and the Sadducees would go, well, ain't nobody ever done this stuff before. And it was a sign unto them that there was something different. Now they would say, he cast devils out by Beelzebub. And Jesus would say, if the devil casts out the devil, he's going to lose all day long. But now you know that God has come down amongst you by these signs. See, when signs begin to happen, it's the power of God. Never allow yourself to begin to walk away from the signs of God. Always pray for miracles. Always pray for others that need miracles. I know, but what if I pray and it doesn't happen? Bless God, go to the next one. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray healing. I know, but they said it's impossible. Well, I serve the God of the impossible. And so you always stand on the side of miracles and you believe God. Look for the signs and wonders everywhere you go because there's something about when the people of God begin to step into the miraculous that when I'm reading about these old apostles and these old people that moved into the, 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 the presence and the power of God and speaking in tongues in the early Pentecostal movement, there was something about that they always would see signs and wonders. See, there's more to a miracle than the miracle. There's more to a miracle than the miracle. God's always doing something underneath. that how many times there were Jesus would say, be healed. And when they were healed, he said, you think that's great? Now all your sins are forgiven. That there was a deeper message that was underneath. That when he would do those things, that the power of God was moving, that there was a sign unto them. That today it's the same thing. It's why we pray for people. Not just to pray for them, not for a show, but because we understand that when God is moving, there's something about God is here. God is here. See, Jesus did, did miracles for many different reasons. One of them was for compassion. He would go and he would see the hurting and the lost and he would have compassion on them. He would, sometimes it was just to meet a need. They have a need. They're hungry. And the disciples said, well, send them away. We don't have the food to feed them. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to do a miracle because I have compassion for them. Sometimes it was to show who he was, that he just wants to demonstrate who he is. He just wants to demonstrate his anointing and his power. Sometimes it's that he just wants to show a demonstration of faith, that you can have faith and move. Sometimes it's out of love, that when Lazarus died, it says Jesus wept. And out of that compassion and that love for Lazarus, 
he wept, and then he went to the tomb and he called out Lazarus. Peter's mother is one of those. That here's, here's Peter. Jesus loved Peter. When your mom dies, it hurts. And Jesus, out of compassion, said, oh, he went and raised her from the dead. Jesus is so compassionate and full of love. See, there's signs that are out there that when we talk about destiny, there's signs that God gives us that will lead us to where we're supposed to go, that will lead us to what we do, but we have to pay attention to the signs. Now, the biggest holdup for people not fulfilling their destiny, it isn't the lack of his presence in the announcement. It isn't in his ability to save and deliver. It isn't in the lack of signs given. The biggest thing that stops destiny is the lack of our willingness to obey. It's the number one holdup of the gospel taking off the way it's supposed to be in Delaware County and the tri-state area. It's people that are willing to say, I will obey God no matter what. I will follow and I will do what God calls me to do. Hebrews chapter number 10, just read this today in the NLT. Hebrews 10, 32. The Bible says this. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering of the same things. You suffered long with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So what he's saying in this scripture, he's saying, do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? Do you, do you remember that when bad things happened, you still knew that Jesus was good, that he had changed your life, that something powerful had happened in you, that it didn't matter that you were there for one another, that you were taking part with one another, that you were helping one another, that there was a love that was there. Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? Then in verse number 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Yes. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. See, he's saying, remember what it was like. Time wears down those things. But patience says, I'm not going to allow that change to happen. We have to have destiny and faith come hand in hand so that God can take us where we need to be. I heard a statistic this week that said when new churches are planted, they grow for 14 years and then they stagnate. If we're going to continue we have to defy those odds and say, God, I'm going to obey, and I'm going to go further. Amen? Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around for just a minute. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. 
you've never given your life to the Lord, or somewhere along the line you left, you walked away, you got tired. Today his presence is here, and he's calling for you. So if you want to get your heart right, whether you're unsaved or backslidden, we want to give you a chance to respond. If you just signify with an uplifted hand with nobody looking around, you're unsaved, you're backslidden, but today you want to get your heart right. You just put your hand up and put it right back down so I can remember to pray for you. Then maybe you're hearing God's dealing with you about one of these three areas that comes to following the Lord. That His presence is so important. That His glory shines. Maybe it's just remember that He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. That when it was fresh and it was new, it was easy to believe for big changes. But over time, that's kind of worn down. And maybe it's the fact that God will give you signs. That God will show you direction and guidance and lead you. It'll give you signs, the signs that, will, that will help you to, to remember His glory and His presence and His power. See, God's got a great destiny for new destiny to begin to fill. But it's going to take the faith of us all to break through. Amen? Amen. We're going to stand on our feet. We're going to worship God. If you want to come, these altars are open. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.